One of my favorite things about being a friar, at the end of the day, we all come back together after spending time in ministry or at school. So I live in a friary where there are 10 of us. We have four priests, one lay brother, several seminarians, similar to these young men here. We all go off and do our duties throughout the day and come back and we have prayer together and have a meal together. We don't have a cook at our house, so we all sign up to cook different days uh, of the week, Monday through Friday generally, and we all have uh, varying skills at cooking, uh, various uh, tastes and likes and and dislikes and uh, different cuisines that we're good at. So one brother is very good at cooking um, uh, Mexican cuisine, Italian cuisine, and so the brothers tend to rely on me for cooking meat. I love to grill. I love to be in the backyard uh, uh, cooking meat. So we have a friar in our house who's from central Kansas. So for those of you from Kansas, probably consider that the Holy Land. Uh, But uh, he's, uh, his family is from a farming community and every year they donate to our friaries a cow. And so they package the beef, they uh, Um, wrap it up nicely for us, and they send it uh, to us uh, out of the generosity of their heart. So on Tuesday, I was digging down at the bottom of the freezer. It was my turn to cook, and I pulled out a package of T-bone steaks. Uh, And so I was very happy to find them there and marinate them all day long. And uh, when it came time for cooking, I think it's, what, three minutes for medium rare on each side, uh, medium well, five minutes on each side, something like that and they turned out delicious. Uh, The friars are very happy with me, uh, very pleased uh, that I would uh, cook for them uh, in that way. And there's no way, I'm not sharing this story to offend anybody that has uh, taste buds of a vegetarian or a vegan, but uh, it is something sacred to us as friars to to be able to come together and and share a meal. Hopefully none of us become the stereotypical friar, the cookie jar friar from eating too much, uh, but it is part of our spirituality. So I share that with you uh, because I think God is preparing me this week for the scriptures with that image because there is some meat today in our scriptures. There's something savory. There's something tasty. There's something profound scripturally to reflect on. And so what I want to try to do today is help us to chew a little bit the profound wisdom that St. John is giving us uh, through the encouragement to remain in Christ. That word remain, we can meditate on the rest of our Christian lives and it will, will never exhaust the meaning of that word. So I've heard Father Brian preach about this word. Uh, in Greek, it's perimenon. Um, so for you Greek scholars, uh, you can look that word up. Uh, but uh, I found several different meanings of that word. I want to share some of those with you just to encourage you to keep uh, unpackaging, to keep uh, eating and tasting uh, the flavor of this word. So one of its meanings means not to depart, not to leave, to continually, habitually be present to the Lord. Another meaning is to maintain unbroken fellowship with the Lord or to adhere to his party, meaning to, uh, to walk in his congregation, meaning God's flock. Another meaning is it means to be constantly present to help or to serve one another or to allow the Holy Spirit to impel us to service. Another one, uh, to constantly influence or let the Holy Spirit influence as Christ uh, influences the branches on the vine. My favorite uh, sense of this word 
uh, it's a little bit complex, a little bit dynamic, but this is uh, what it means. To dwell, as it were, with him, meaning Jesus, to be continually operative in him by his divine influence and energy. Simply put, simply put, to let Jesus energize us in all things, our thoughts, our words, our actions, our day-to-day life, from the moment we wake up to the moment we lay down, to let the Lord Jesus energize us in all things. Kind of like the Energizer Bunny, if you grew up in the 90s, you remember that little bunny hopping around, okay? Uh, Lastly, to be rooted, as it were, in Jesus, knit by him. That's an interesting image. My mother is a crocheter, so that uh, grabbed my imagination. To be knit by him or to allow the Holy Spirit to knit us uh, uh, through God's grace. So very, very profound meanings of that word, to remain in him. And all of the readings today encourage us in our Christian walk to remain in the Lord. And so that's what I want to encourage us to think about, encourage us uh, to do in these readings. So let's spend a little time reflecting on each one. The first one comes from the Acts of the Apostles. All throughout Easter we read from the Acts of the Apostles, and today we're given the essential points of what the whole story is about. God directly converts St. Paul. He was nowhere near God's grace. He was in mortal sin, looking not anywhere close to God's grace, right? He was a violent man. He was a prideful man, probably present when other Christians were being killed. And yet God's grace pervades this man's mind, his heart, and transforms him into a new creation. So that should give us hope, okay? Because God can overwhelm us even if we're wrapped in sin. But the challenge for St. Paul after this conversion experience was the early Christian community. My favorite character in the whole book is Ananias. I can only imagine how many times he prayed to the Lord, Lord, please do not send me to Paul. I don't want to be killed today. I don't want to be tortured today. Don't send me to that violent man, right? But again and again, God encouraged Ananias to remain in his love, to remain in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures say that the Holy Spirit animated, unified that Christian community. Even Barnabas believes in Paul. And finally, uh, there's a, a unifying uh, sense to that community. And it's important for us as Christians to learn from this reading because we all have people in our lives, maybe St. Paul, somebody that's recently gone through a conversion experience, and maybe we're a little bit... Um, weary of what they're up to. Or maybe we have people in our lives that are not Christian at all, and we don't like to be with them, we don't like to tolerate them, or we don't like to associate with them. Um, Maybe we have a boss or a loved one or a friend that's annoying us right now, and we're kind of putting up barriers and walls. The point of the whole first reading is God's grace can bring healing to anyone and uh, at any time. And if we remain, if we paramenon, in the Holy Spirit, then God can do great things. So uh, that's the first point. Second point uh, comes from St. John. So St. John writes three epistles, three letters after the gospel. And again, that that word comes up all throughout his, his teaching. And he reminds us, he boils the Christian life down to two things, love God and love one another. And as simple as that is, we know how difficult that is. But he warns us, he says, if you're going to love Jesus, if you're going to make him your Lord and Savior, there is no excuse that you cannot love your brother 
and sister. And in fact, the more we love Jesus, the more we have to love our brothers and sisters. And that's hard for us, I think, um, to put it in practical terms, right? So when I cooked uh, that steak for the brothers, um, if one of the brothers, and this didn't happen, this is hypothetical, okay? But if one of the brothers didn't come up and say, thank you, that was a tasty steak, right? I would have been tempted to bring the wrath of God upon them and said, Did, uh, look, I sacrificed for you. I cooked for you. You should be grateful, right? Um, but we have to be careful, right, that even if somebody treats us in that way, rejects us or is ungrateful or for whatever reason doesn't love us, we still have to um, initiate that unconditional love that Jesus gives us. That's what John is telling us, right? Why does he say that? Well, his master did it. His Lord did it. Jesus did it from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the beautiful thing is what Jesus does is he paramenounces in his Father's love. Okay, you and I are very limited on how much love we can give to people that annoy us or reject us or hurt us or persecute us. But if we paramenown, if we remain in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we have the energy of Jesus' Father to forgive our enemies and to extend that divine love to others. So St. John is saying to remain in that love and extend it to our neighbors. Next, finally, the, the gospel again uses this term, uses this word, and teaches us that when we remain on the vine, God will produce fruit in us. In our novitiate, we have a novitiate. Uh, it's our second year of training as religious out in wine country, Santa Inez, California, near Santa Barbara. And one of the daily duties of the novices is they get to take care of the vines. I've never worked in the garden, but they are, right now they're growing grapes for white wine. And one of the images that came to me is the sap that's in the vine that produces the grapes, right? And the grapes are images of uh, the life of the Holy Spirit. But the, the sap that's in the vine is also an image of the Holy Spirit and has to flow to produce nutrients to the grapes, which give the taste of the wine. But uh, the gospel is saying that uh, we have to pr be pruned, right, so more grapes can grow. But if we're not producing fruit, then God will cut us off. So that image of being cut off, I think that's hard for us as Christians, right? but what it's saying is that we can be disconnected from the Lord, that paramena. God will always respect our free will, always respect our personal choice towards him and for him. And so we have to make that constant effort day in and day out, moment by moment to say, yes, Lord, I need you in my life. Yes, Lord, I want to remain in your love. Yes, Lord. Um, uh, stay with me, remain with me. And the uh, essential piece of that, right, is to make sure we have hearts of repentance, okay? You and I are going to struggle with sin until the day that we die. I was joking at all the other masses, right? I think we'll probably be struggling with our sins until three days after they put us in the grave and they, our bodies finally cool off, right? Uh, it's called concupiscence. It's called... Uh, uh, the consequences of our sins. So we all have sins that we struggle with and all have sins that we need to repent of. But the, the most important part of our journey with Christ is not to despair, but to have the attitude of repentance, that uh, being pruned, right? And we do that in the confessional as a people of God. We say to the Lord, Lord, 
I struggle day in and day out with these things, but with the help of your love, with the help of your grace, and an attitude of repentance, I can remain in you and persevere on this journey, okay? But Jesus warns us that we could also reject that spirit of repentance, right? And so we want to try to avoid uh, rejecting Jesus. But sin is not enough to break us off if we have repentance. I think that's the, the point of the gospel. So my brothers and sisters, as we come uh, to the Lord this week, fifth Sunday of Easter, uh, I think the scriptures are clear. Number one, if we remain in God, if we pair men out on him, we can trust, especially those in our lives that maybe we're skeptical of. Uh, number two, um, we can deepen our power of love for those that are hard to love. And then finally, if we pair men out, we cling to the Lord, we can persevere, make acceleration, make progress on the spiritual life if we have an attitude of repentance. The good news is always this. Christ has risen from the dead in order to draw us to himself. Let's paramenon in him now and give thanks to him for his great love. Amen.